Hi, friends. It's Vin Scully. It's time for Dr. Clapper. In sports, there's winning and losing and getting injured. That's why there's Dr. Clapper. Dr. Clapper is the former head of orthopedic surgery at Cedar sinai The Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper, presented by Cedar sinai Hey, Dr. Clapper. How are you? Saturday mornings from 7 to 9. Silence is golden when you can't think of a good answer. <laughs> yes, Doc, I love your show. Now, here he is, Dr. Robert Clapper. Good morning, Los Angeles, and welcome to another edition of the Weekend Warrior Show. I'm your host, Dr. Robert Clapper. I'm an orthopedic surgeon at Cedars-Sinai for 33 years and counting. Wow, what a busy day I had in the operating room yesterday and this whole week. Hip replacement in a 49-year-old yesterday. Why would someone so young have a hip so destroyed that I have to put a bionic system in so they can walk and have a life? I'm going to explain a little bit later in the show what to look out for because it's called hip dysplasia. And I'll explain with some clap revision what that actually means because if you've got it, you're headed for surgery. I did an ACL yesterday, an anterior cruciate ligament reconstruction, and someone who tore their knee just jumping around playing basketball. But he was in his 40s. He did it many years ago, kind of lived with it, but now he just could not live with it anymore. His knee, every time he would step off the curb, would almost dislocate. The technology, the tools, which I enjoy designing, it's just awesome to, in essence, rearrange the furniture, use what is a part of a tendon to rebuild a ligament in your own body. So you don't have to worry that the body, your body's going to reject it because it's a cadaver or foreign. I love it. And the whole idea of looking at x-rays to figure out what's happening inside your knee, your hip, your shoulder, those x-rays are like pieces of paper. They're two-dimensional. But look at your hand right now. Look at your finger. It's not two-dimensional. You could look at the back of your hand and look at the palm of your hand, but look at the thickness of your hand. That's the z-axis. That's the third dimension, the thickness. Well, on an x-ray, if we see a bone spur or we see any abnormality, you can't just make a decision based on the top and the bottom and ignore the thickness. And so when I reconstruct someone's knee, for example, like I did yesterday, it's like a bomb went off in this guy's knee. Three-dimensionally, he was damaged. And yet I have to use two-dimensional x-rays to assess the damage. It's a whole different ballgame when you open up the knee and see the thickness, see the z-axis, see the depth. It could be scary. Certainly when I have medical students watching what I'm doing, they think they know what they're seeing. But just like Dr. Aranawa taught, the eyes don't see what the mind doesn't know. 
And that's why it's so sad when an older doctor retires. Because what they take with them into retirement is knowledge that is not in the book. And speaking of knowledge that's not in the book, I'm so excited for my guest today. Because he comes from the world of medicine. He's my favorite pediatrician. Actually, I've taken care of him for his whole life, it seems like. But he's a world-class pediatrician. His charm, his passion, his smarts. And now that Cedars has an affiliation with Tarzana Hospital in the Valley, he's the head of pediatrics in Tarzana Hospital. His name is Danny Bruckner, and he's going to join us at 8.15. And when I knew he was going to be my guest, it made me think all week. The challenge of dealing with infants, toddlers, adolescents, but the real troublemaker is teenagers. They're not quite adults yet. Their mental status, their physical status, you tear your ACL and you're still growing. I cannot ignore the fact that there's a growth plate in that bone. We have surgical designs that make sure that when we fix your ACL while you're still a growing child, we we don't touch the growth plate. Because if you do an ACL surgery on someone who's still growing and you mess up the growth plate, they'll have one leg that grows longer than another. Or the opposite, one leg that grows shorter than the other. You have to respect that growth plate. That's only the orthopedic implications of teenagers. What about their kidneys and their hearts and everything else that goes into them? It's a tough year to be a teenager. That transition from 12 to 13, that transition from 19 to 20, those teenage years are challenging. So it it made me think all week. I love the world of medicine. I love the world of art. And I love the world of sports. Where in my lifetime... Did I see firsthand the challenges of teenage life, of being a teenager? And remember, there's a whole different ballgame between a girl and a boy being a teenager. So this is what I came up with. Here. Here's a crazy teenager that you just got to hear. How long do you think Beatlemania will last as long as you all keep coming. <laughs> the Beatles are great! Harvey Henry says so! I love them! I don't care what anybody thinks, but I love the Beatles for them, and I'll always love them. Even when I'm 105 and an old grandmother, I'll love them. And Paul McCartney, if you are listening, Adrian from Brooklyn loves you with all her heart. I love you, Paul, and please come to the window so I can just see you. I saw you smoking before. In November of 1963, this country lost its president. JFK was assassinated. We were in trouble. As a country. And teenage girls have part of their makeup a gene to be nurturers. They're becoming women. They're the nurturing part 
of life, more so than men. It's not a sexist thing to say. It's, a, it's true. And uniquely to teenage girls was this terrible loss to our country. And so teenagers in general, but particularly to young girls, three months later, appearing on the Ed Sullivan Show, which, by the way, sounded like this in February of 1964. Ladies and gentlemen, once again... She was just 17. She was just 17. You know what I mean. And the way she looked was way beyond compare. Paul McCartney. Singing specifically teenage girls. And the teenage boys got into it as well. But specifically, their demographic were teenage girls. Yelling at a concert is one thing. Being excited to hear music is one thing. But there's a difference between yelling and going bananas. Listen carefully to this soundbite. The difference between girls yelling at their Elvis Presley. I mean, there have been good-looking male singers before. And they yelled and screamed and everybody. But it's a whole different level when you lose your mind. And that's what happened to these teenage girls. Listen to the subtle difference. They, they're told, they're excited John Lennon is about to appear. And then his car actually appears. Listen to the tonality of the difference. Yelling. Okay. Love you, John. (laughs) That's an Alfred Hitchcock movie with the birds. It's not subtle anymore. They lose their minds. Why did this happen? It's fascinating. And I have a musicologist who actually thought long and hard about what Paul McCartney did that nobody else did that absolutely affected teenagers. And in the next segment, you're going to hear why this happened. Well, what about in the world of sports? What's going on right now to teenage boys is the Little League World Series. Every little boy wants to play baseball. Every little boy wants to play in his little league. The ultimate is to play in that little league world series. And a few get to do that. But very, very few go to the next level, which is to go from the little league world series to actually be a baseball player in the major leagues. The Dodgers have such a player who succeeded where no one else really gets to succeed. He played in Little League. He played in the Little League World Series in 2007. He became a major leaguer, won a World Series, was Rookie of the Year, and he keeps getting better. It's Cody Bellinger. But you got to ask yourself, what did he do that was so different that he busted through whatever that curse is for teenage boys that doesn't allow them to go to the next level. 
By the time I'm done explaining, you'll understand the magic that happened to Cody Bellinger. And it wasn't that his dad was a baseball player. It wasn't that. It had to do with something orthopedic. And it wasn't an injury. It was the exact thing that I was talking about, which was the growth spurt. Cody Bellinger, he played in the Little League World Series at only 11 years old in 2007. He was younger than everyone else by a year. But more than that, he was little. He was the tiniest. He did not have his growth spurt yet. I think he's six foot four now, so we're not going to feel sorry for him. But he's trying to play with the big boys in Little League as a little, little kid. And you can hear him say, I was little, I was tiny. I didn't have my growth spurt yet. And those other players who were superstars on my team in the Little League World Series, they stopped trying. They lost their mojo. But because I felt inferior, I was tiny, I worked even harder. And in the end, that's really the key to getting through those teenage years. And I can't wait to hear what Danny Bruckner says about that. Because that's, in the end, what matters for all of us, is drive. Trust me, I ain't the smartest doctor you're ever going to meet. But I'm the hardest working doctor you're ever going to meet. And that's the beauty of life. Many people are given gifts. Gary Vitti, the longtime trainer of the Lakers, who I got the pleasure of interviewing while he was still the trainer for the Lakers, during the Magic Johnson years, and I interview him during the Kobe years on this show 12 years ago. Gary Vitti, I asked him, what's the most, what, what did you learn after all these years taking care of Magic and Kobe and Shaq and James Worthy and Showtime and Shaq time, Kobe time? Gary Vitti said to me, I learned one thing over all these years as a trainer, that talent is overrated. I took care of a lot of people who could jump out of the gym, but they didn't make it to the NBA because it's the drive. And if Michael Jordan got cut by his high school basketball coach and that gave him a chip on his shoulder, that's what made him Michael Jordan. And at his Hall of Fame ceremony, he invites the high school basketball coach who cut him just so he can embarrass him at the, at the Hall of Fame speech. You should watch that. The chip on Tom Brady's shoulder, because he was the last pick in the draft, the 199th pick. They picked six other quarterbacks before Tom Brady. When he sits down with Steve Sable for NFL Films, he mentions all six guys that were picked before him. And what happened to each and every one of them? Because he still has that chip on his shoulder. Why do you think he's playing at 45 years old? Because he cherishes every moment of it. Because all he was told was, have a seat at the University of Michigan. Brian Greasy's our quarterback. That's why I love Joe Burrow. Have a seat at Ohio State. You ain't going to play. That's why he left and went to LSU and look at him. Steph Curry. Steph Curry, probably the greatest basketball player we've ever seen to shoot the basketball. 
better than Michael Jordan, better than anybody else. We're watching him right now. The only college that gave him a chance was Davidson. I don't even know where Davidson is. That's what you need. You need that chip on your shoulder. Mike Piazza only was taken by the Dodgers, probably the greatest catcher who ever played for the Dodgers. They did him a favor because he was Tommy, Tommy Lasorda's godson. You got to have that chip. You're going to hear more about both Cody Bellinger and Paul McCartney, Beatlemania, and Teenage Girls. I'll take your calls as well. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. What's going on? It's Max. You know there's no better way to start your Saturday morning than with my friend Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's time for Clapper Killies. Start your weekend off right. Listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. Where has this been my whole life? Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN. 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. Now, why? Why did this song on Ed Sullivan's show change the world? Why did these four guys from Liverpool, England, crack the exterior of every teenage girl and boy in February of 1964? What happened? By the way, we're going to do, because I know Steve Paulette is listening, we're going to do some clap revision with a real warrior, which is going to be Julio Urias. He's the ace of the Dodgers now. But let's not forget his shoulder surgery and his shoulder injury. And you're going to need some clap revision. I'll give you a little tease. Take a golf ball and a golf tee. Put the golf ball on the golf tee and put it in a Ziploc bag. Inside the Ziploc bag is some liquid vegetable oil if you want. Your joint, your shoulder has synovial fluid. It's like vegetable oil. It's not water. It has a viscosity, makes it slippery. Well, imagine the Ziploc bag that's holding the vegetable oil to allow the golf ball to glide on the tee without friction. What if you ripped the Ziploc bag and the oil could start to leak out? That rip in the Ziploc bag, rich in nerves, every time you throw the baseball, hurts. Julio Urias had a very unusual type of injury to his shoulder. He didn't tear the labrum. He didn't tear the rotator cuff. He's not bone-on-bone with arthritis. He tore the Ziploc bag. He tore the capsule of his shoulder. And that's what was repaired. And look at how great he's doing. There's your clapper vision. Now you understand the magic of surgery and what we can do. And hats off to my buddy, the great Dr. Neil Elitrosh, for doing it. We love you, Neil. Keeping us in shape Designing tools. Every orthopedic surgeon wants to have a patent, but not everyone does. I'm lucky I do, and so is Dr. Elitrosh. Every time I meet with him, I tell him, you're an artist. Remember that. You're not just a surgeon. You're not just a doctor. You're an artist. 
but we'll do some clap revision with you guys. The number is 877-710-ESPN. And what about food? How the hell am I going to relate teenage madness and the challenges of being a teenager to food? Well, every teenager you know ain't looking at you. They're looking at their cell phone. So what is it that looks just like a cell phone that teenagers love to eat? I'll explain. And I'll tell you where you can get this unbelievably delicious thing to eat a little later in the show. But let's get right into it. This is an unbelievable topic for me. Because when the Beatles came on Ed Sullivan. Ladies and gentlemen. And those girls started to scream. They changed the world. How did they change the world? Here's Ringo Starr sitting down with a Canadian broadcaster, Peter Mainbridge. Well, the Sullivan Show had that massive audience, massive appeal. I mean, I was sitting yeah. there, I was 16 yeah. in Canada watching that. Yeah, yeah. And, and things did change overnight. I can they remember, did. you know, that was a Sunday night, going to school on the Monday. Kids who had been wearing kind of greaser hairstyles on Friday <laughs> were, <laughs> were mop tops on yeah, Monday. Yeah. yeah. And it just suddenly happened yeah it suddenly happened why did it happen here's an interview with two crazy teenage girls and they're not crazy they're actually normal teenage girls listen to the end of this soundbite where the interviewer says why are you behaving this way and they say normal they're normal teenage girls we have no idea listen again to that tonality difference between just excited for your Bruno Mars or Rihanna or whoever it is that you want to listen to. There's yelling and then there's insanity screaming. Listen again. John Lennon's about to arrive. They love him. Yelling. And then... Oh, my God. They go crazy. This is an unbelievable soundbite. Listen. Have you tried to sneak into the hotel? Yes. Yes, we were in the hotel. How far in did you get? Twelve floor. Well, the demand ago was not like that. We came here. We came here at six o'clock in the morning, five thirty to see them, and all they do is push you farther and farther away, and then they don't even let you stay. You've been here since six. Yes. Have you ever been this crazy about any other entertainer? No. And that's what's so amazing. We don't know why we're like this. We don't know why we're like this. Well, now, Weekend Warriors, you're about to understand why. This is a musicologist, Phil, Wings of Pegasus. He actually analyzed the why. This is fascinating. The voodoo that Paul McCartney did and the Beatles as a group did. This is the infancy of television. It's black and white. It ain't color TV yet. This is 1964. Why did young teenage girls lose their minds? Here's the answer. 
And there are so many subtle details that the Beatles had to their live performances that sometimes flew under the radar. And one of those things I want to point out now is Paul with the way that he looks at the camera while they're performing. Because how many artists do you know, especially back in these days, if they're playing a gig, they're interacting with the audience, they don't know where the cameras are, or at least they're not focusing on them. Whereas Paul is making sure that he's not only entertaining the crowd that are there, he's looking at the camera. But everybody that's watching at home gets that experience of being there and being involved and getting eye contact with Paul McCartney. And it is such an important part of the performance that you don't really think about when you're watching it. But if you've played and performed yourself and on TV, that is such a different thought process to not only think about your performance to the crowd, but where are the cameras? How can I connect with the people watching behind the screen? Nobody else paid attention to where the cameras so he would look right in the camera and if you're a teenage girl dealing with President Kennedy's assassination your house is falling apart because oh my god someone shot the president you're a nurturing teenage girl and here's this good-looking guy from Liverpool with that beautiful accent and an amazing voice looking right at you well here's something else that they did also and it is such a great thing to see from Paul, but it also shows how well rehearsed these guys were. I know that they spent three years gigging in and around Liverpool and Hamburg as well. So they absolutely had that stagecraft down and their professionalism on stage again is something that can't be underestimated the amount of rehearsal time these guys put in there just the fact that they're straight into their song they're absolutely tight as a nut when you consider that they're all playing and singing at the same time again makes it doubly impressive and the fact that Paul's putting on a show he's looking at the camera and guess what they did something that another band never would do in between songs they talked to the audience this fueled the fire of the insanity. The way that they talk to the crowd between the songs. And this is a massive thing to take notice of. Because how many bands have you seen where between the songs there might even be silence? Or the singer will look around at the band and maybe have a chat as to what they're going to do next or what's going on. Or they might try and talk to the crowd but they're not necessarily that confident a talker rather than playing they'll be fine but now talking to a crowd they're not really comfortable and when you see the way that Paul talks to the audience in between the tracks he's absolutely in his element he's got this ability to talk to hundreds of thousands of people as if he's talking to everyone individually and this is a skill that every one of this band possessed they could absolutely talk to a lot of people but also with each other playing live so you got that feeling you could feel that chemistry on stage you want to hear it again this is Beatlemania there have been huge crowds of teenage girls outside complaining that they don't want to mob you they just want to speak to you what do you think about this do you want to talk to them well have you ever tried talking to about 200 people at once <laughs> we'd love to you know we yeah. never we, if we all wave and somebody always says don't stop that waving you're inciting them Why do you like them so much? I don't know. There's just something about them. I don't know. When they sing. Aren't they as good as anybody else? No, they're better. No, they're better. <laughs> Obviously, this is in New York. Yeah! 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 
What's a woman's opinion of the Beatles? A young woman's opinion, that is. I think they're sharp. He's gorgeous. He's gorgeous. He's got a beautiful nose. He's got a beautiful nose. Ringo. Ringo has a sexy nose. They're trying to explain it that they have no idea what they're saying. They're just losing their minds because Paul figured out how to look in the camera. They learned how to engage their audience because even though they're the Beatles in the beginning, no one wanted to listen to them. They had to go to Hamburg. They had to even leave England. They couldn't get a gig in England. But that forced them to make chemistry amongst themselves so they could talk to the audience in between their songs. Their confidence soared. Have you tried to sneak into the hotel? Yes. Yes, we were in the hotel. <laughs> How far in did you get? 12th floor. <laughs> We came here at 6 o'clock in the morning, 5.30 to see them, and all they do is push your father and father away, and then they don't even let you see them. Been here since 6? Yes. <laughs> Have you ever been this crazy about any other entertainer? No. and that's what's so amazing. We don't know why we're like this. We don't know why we're like this. Well, now we know why. Coming up next, the world of sports. Those crazy teenage years before adulthood, the brain, the body, it's different. But what about in teenage boys? We looked at it in teenage girls. We're going to talk about Cody Bellinger, and I'll take your calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. This is Keyshawn in the morning. My man, Dr. Clapper, and the Weekend Warrior Show starts your Saturday morning. Join the doc from 7 to 9 a.m. But don't miss my show, Monday morning on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. It's the most entertaining thing in the world. Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. I'm schwitzing like a piece of tuna fish. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710 home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. The Beatles, they changed the world. Their demographic was teenage girls. Teenage boys loved them. Everybody loved them. But they really succeeded buying the merchandise, screaming at the top of their lungs, teenage girls. What about teenage boys? For me, it's baseball. It's Little League. That's what we do. And whatever you do, you want to be the best at it. You want to rise. You want to win your city championship, state championship. The biggest dream would be the Little League World Series. Well, in Arizona, in Chandler, Arizona, lives a New York Yankee who got two World Series rings. Took him 10 years, 10 years in the minor leagues and finally got called up. Not a very long time in Major League Baseball. Played a year, I think, for the Angels, a few games. But he was there, 1999-2000 with the Yankees and won two World Series rings. Clay Bellinger became a fireman. But he had a son. 
He had a little boy. And even though he's a fireman, he's a baseball player. And so he created a little league team in Chandler, Arizona. It's for 12-year-olds who will then become teenagers, 13. But Clay Bellinger said, my son is a baseball player. He's only 11, but he loves the game and he's good at it. I'm going to put him on this team. Cody Bellinger, at 11 years old, was on that Chandler, Arizona Little League team that went to Williamsport and the Little League World Series in 2007. This is an unbelievable story of drive. Yes, he has the talent. A dad's a baseball player. But we got lots of examples of dads who were baseball players and their sons and daughters did not become superior baseball players. Certainly not to become Major League Baseball National League Rookie of the Year caliber like Cody Bellinger. But it's a fascinating story because it teaches us something about being a teenage boy. Here's the story of Cody Bellinger. I grew up in Arizona, hot but year-round baseball, a lot of activity outside. The Little League fields, I thought they were big. <laughs> you look back now, and it's obviously the smallest field you can play on. My name's Clay Bellinger. Uh, I'm a firefighter. In 2007, we had a club ball team. We got together a bunch of kids, and I was one of the coaches on the Channel National All-Star team that got to go to Williamsport and play in the Little League World Series. Yeah, he created it and put his son on because he can. But not just that. The kid was good. But he was tiny, 11 years old. The other kids are 12. Hi, Clay Bellinger, coach, Chandler, Arizona. Hi, Cody Bellinger, play first place. My son Cody was one of the players on that team. Playing in front of 20 to 30,000 fans as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old is pretty spectacular. Welcome to the Chandler, Arizona team to the baseball tonight set. Cody Bellinger is here. Our offense is really good and our defense, you, we don't make much air, so. If you get just a condensed version of what could be, you know, life in, in the big leagues with all the cameras and the media. You can see on YouTube that team. Those kids are much, much bigger than Cody Bellinger because they're a year older and he's tiny. But he's got that drive. I definitely remember the World Series parades in New York City. It's like what you envision. There's so many people in downtown, and they're throwing, like, confetti. Some 10 years in the Myers to three years in the World Series is pretty unique, you could say. Looking back on it, the people in that clubhouse that I got to be around was pretty uh, unbelievable. I mean, anytime you see your dad playing, you know, you want to do it, and then when you realize you're actually, you know, pretty good at it, you know, I think you just you fall in love with it. Little League, it's about having fun, you know, love of the game. That's all I would say, have fun and keep playing. Having a coach, having a dad who says it's just about fun and not be a typical lunatic Little League dad or a lunatic Little League coach. Just go out there and have fun, that's rare. He's lucky to have that dad no matter what happens. But you're about to hear what the difference is and how you can break through those teenage years and become a superstar like Cody Bellinger. It was it was probably the most fun I had playing baseball. You said we played really well. You know, we lost 
We would have loved to win two more games or three more games, but to be top four in the U.S., still a good time. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you did. You got there, and that was the main goal. But, yeah, I think for me it was a little less pressure knowing that he was there. And You see other players who've, who've gone through that experience who made it big. My dad played in the big leagues. I've gone as far as I can in the Little League World Series. It can drive you. It can drive you, but it doesn't always end up with success. Look at the greatest athletes that we know in their respective sports. Tom Brady sat on the bench at the University of Michigan behind Brian Greasy and then got his chance. Wasn't still enough. Bill Belichick took him with the last pick of the draft, 199th pick. Six other quarterbacks taken before him. Steph Curry did not get a college scholarship at all till Davidson called. I don't even know where Davidson is. He's the greatest shooter of the basketball of all time. Mike Piazza, the last pick in the baseball draft as a favorite of Tommy Lasorda. You got to have a chip on your shoulder. Well, what was the chip on Cody Bellinger's shoulder that allowed him to become this superstar? And you'll hear. It's because of what happens from an orthopedic standpoint is your growth spurt. If it's delayed or takes its sweet time and you are the little one, you're getting a blessing. You're getting a major booster shot of drive to prove everybody wrong. Well, then when your growth spurt comes, you got to drive and you're six foot four. Listen to Cody Bellinger. I think that was the moment for me where I was like, I really want to do this. I could probably try to do this and kind of turn the switch a little bit, focus on it a little more. I was tiny when I was younger. I didn't hit my growth spurt till junior year of high school. Some guys on my team were superstars and they stopped working and everyone kind of passed them. For me, just kind of focus on the little things and then obviously once you get a little bigger, stronger, it kind of takes over. Focus. Focus on the little things. That's what made him special because that delayed growth spurt. He passed by all those superstars that were on his team right away. But he got drafted in 2013. He just kind of took off from there. Bellinger hammers the ball to deep right field. Cody Bellinger is a rookie outfielder and first baseman for the L.A. Dodgers. He came up to the big leagues in April and started tearing it up. Cody Bellinger, you are ridiculous. The kid goes deep again. He's captured the imagination and the attention of the whole baseball world. Is this the guy who's going to hit 60 home runs and lead the Dodgers to the world championship? You know, we haven't seen a full season from him yet, so really anything's possible. You see your son doing what they love to do and actually playing well, and hopefully it'll last another 10, 15 years. Cody used to be Clay Bellinger's son, and now I'm, I'm Cody Bellinger's dad. What a beautiful guy this Clay Bellinger is. Now I just want to take you behind the scenes. This is Cody Bellinger's first day. This is why we love Dave Roberts. Listen to how he's welcoming him to the team. Ten years after he's in the Little League World Series, it's his first day as a Dodger, and he's going to play left field. Cody Bellinger is in the house. 
see you, man. Hey, good to have you, man. Good to be here. Well done. Good to be here. How did you sleep last night? Did you sleep at all? About an hour and a half. I know. <laughs> Once we wake, woke you up, I go, man, he's not going to go back to bed. Yeah, I think I slept maybe 30 minutes on the plane. Yeah. That's it. You ready to play left field tonight? Yes, sir. All right. Good. Uh, you'll be in left field, so uh, make sure you get with George. Make sure you get with Woody on the signs. Yeah. And uh, we're happy to have you, man. Good to be here, man. Thank you. You've, you've earned it, man. Yes, sir. But the person I want you to hear from, the person who is the linchpin, the secret sauce behind the career of Cody Bellinger's dad, Clay Bellinger, and who's there schlepping him to all those Little League games, is his mom, Jennifer. It gives you such a warm feeling. And I want to talk to Danny Bruckner. Listen, when you're a pediatrician, a lot of the patients you have can't even talk. They're too young to speak. you got to be like a veterinarian. you got to figure out it's an ear infection versus the flu when they have an elevated temperature. They're not telling you where it hurts. They're kids. It's the parents. Half the battle is treating the parent even though the kid's the patient. Listen to the parent, the mom who's the wife of Clay Bellinger, but who's the mom of Cody Bellinger, talking proudly of her son. This I love. Bellinger's family made the trip from Arizona to share his moment. I think he'll be all right, hopefully. Oh, yeah. He's yeah. got a good head on shoulder. He's willing to learn, yeah. willing to know he's going to be making adjustments, but... But he's also confident who he is. Yeah, that's 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 for sure. It took my husband ten years to get an opportunity at the big league level with the New York Yankees, and to see that Cody's done this in the short amount of time is a testament to his hard work, his work ethic, obviously the gift that he's been given, and the Dodgers organization having trust and faith in him as a player. You go, girl. Proud of you, Jennifer. You're like a Jewish mother. I love it. Every little boy wants to be a baseball player, and you actually raised one, which is just awesome. Coming up next, I'm going to take you into the operating room. We'll take some calls. The number is 877-710-ESPN. You're listening to the one and only Weekend Warrior Show here on 710 ESPN. Staples has everything for school at great prices. So this year, you won't go back to school. You'll be ready to move forward and build that papier-mâché volcano. I am not cleaning this up. Ooh, yeah, I meant the kids. Staples will help them move forward. Right now, Crayola 10-count markers and 12-count colored pencils are just 99 cents each. And Staples one-subject notebooks are only 35 cents. Everything on your list at amazing prices. Staples, we're not going back. We're going forward to school. Ends 827 in-store, only limit 30. At Cedars-Sinai, we're right here for Los Angeles. Here for the inpatients, the outpatients, and the new patients, too. Here to educate one question at a time. Here to innovate through research and specialized treatment. Here to help with over 2,000 community volunteers. Here to heal with more than 250 locations in Southern California. It's why we've been here for over 100 years. And it's why we're right here if you need us. Cedars-Sinai, we're right here. Hey, it's John Ireland. You know there is no better way to start your Saturday than with the man who replaced Michael Thompson's hip, Dr. Clapper and the Weekend Warrior Show, 7 to 9 a.m. Saturday mornings. Don't miss my show, Mason and Ireland, back Monday at 1 
all here on 710 ESPN. What's going on, L.A.? This is Kobe Bryant. At 42 years old, you know what your new nickname is for me? (laughs) Start your weekend off right, listening to the Weekend Warrior Show with Dr. Clapper. You're not Matthew from Santa Monica anymore. You're Mr. Preop. Every Saturday morning from 7 to 9 a.m. on ESPN, 710, home of your Los Angeles Lakers. Welcome back, Weekend Warriors. We're talking about Beatlemania. But the topic today is about how... In art, in sports, in surgery, the challenge of those teenage years. Because at 8.15, my guest is my favorite pediatrician, Dr. Danny Bruckner. We're going to talk about kids and the challenges of the different years. Imagine how different it is to take care of an infant, a toddler, an adolescent, a teenager. I take care of young kids, but I'm not a pediatric orthopedic surgeon by any means. I take care of teenagers, but I also take care of the grandma. Do the ACL and the shoulder surgery on the grandchild. Do the hip surgery on the grandmother. It's awesome. All right, the lines are lit up, but this looks like a fun one. Let's go to Thomas in L.A. You're on with Dr. Clapper. How can I help? You there, Thomas? Thomas, you there? You there, Thomas? I think we lost him. Is he there? Thomas. You there, Thomas? Okay. I guess he's not there. He's going to talk about food, which would be awesome. Because I have to tell you, I've been thinking about teenagers. Food. What do they eat that's unique? And all I can think about is they're just attached to that cell phone, that iPhone. And I realized I'm going to ask an expert, a person who owns their own bakery, what is it that teenagers, more than anybody else, love to get in your bakery? You'll be a little surprised, but not so surprised when I tell you the answer. I want to take you into surgery, though. The number is 877-710-ESPN, but I want to take you into surgery. Because yesterday was an interesting day. One of the other surgeries that I did was an arthroscopy for a meniscus tear. And I'm a big believer. You tear your meniscus, I will be the lone voice to tell you to leave it alone. Don't have injections. Don't have pills. You don't even need to go to physical therapy for it. Leave it alone. Especially if you turn 40, you better leave it alone. Because even though it's not a great meniscus, it's got a tear in it, if you can still straighten your knee all the way and bend it all the way, It's better to have a not-so-good one than none at all and have them remove it. There's a book I wrote with Lindy Uwe called Heal Your Knees that would help you. But yet I'm telling you, yesterday I did surgery on someone's meniscus, and here's the reason. He's a 33-year-old man because the type of meniscus he had, the type of meniscus that doesn't allow you to straighten your knee all the way, We have a term for it, and it's called a bucket bucket handle tear. What does a bucket have to do with a torn meniscus? So when you want to mop the floor, and I'm Jewish, so we don't do these things, but I'm, I'm aware of something called a bucket to carry the soapy water to mop the floor. The bucket holds the water. Well, how do you lift the bucket up? There's that metal handle with that plastic 
handle in the center, right? It stays on the side, but if you need to lift up the bucket, you lift up that bucket handle. Well, the meniscus that's in your knee is a rubber cushion. It's the same material your ear and your nose is made of. And the clapper vision is, it's, it looks like, first, it's a kidney-shaped structure, but it's fat on the rim like a slice of apple pie. The crust is high, and the tip of the slice of apple pie gets thinner. It tapers. Your meniscus is the same way. It's thick on the crust, on the rim, and then it gets thinner as it goes towards the tip of the apple pie of the meniscus itself. Different patterns to the way the cartilage, the meniscus can tear. They can tear vertically, horizontally, diagonally, radially, all different patterns that we use to describe. And here's the clapper vision. You want to eat that slice of apple pie? Okay. It's a meniscus? Okay. Take your fork. How do you want to eat that slice of apple pie? Do you want to take the tip off like we usually do first and get that thinnest portion of the pie? Well, here's another option. Take your fork and actually go horizontally into the apple between the crust on the top and the bottom. That's a horizontal tear of your meniscus. You can take your fork and go diagonally to take your bite out of the apple pie. You can take your fork and go into the crust. That's the red-red zone, vertically, horizontally. These different patterns are like the different ways you can eat the pie. But what if you took your fork and went vertically in the middle of the slice of the apple pie? Not the crust, not the tip, but right in the middle. And you went straight down. A huge bite of your apple pie on your fork. But instead of putting that slice on your fork into your mouth, you decided to turn it upside down and leaving it on the plate. You haven't eaten it yet. You just cut it and you turned it upside down. It's now backwards. We call it a bucket handle tear because it literally looks like the handle is up on the bucket. It's gone up and reverse. And that now becomes like a, like a doorstop, a wedge. It's backwards. You haven't eaten it yet, but you turned it, you cut into it, and you turned it upside down. And that bulkiness, that bucket handle shape to it, blocks your knee from moving. So when I see patients who cannot fully straighten their knee and I do an MRI and they have a bucket handle tear of their meniscus, that's actually someone who benefits from me doing surgery. Now, depending on how the tear is, you either put stitches in it and repair it, but if the the piece, the tear, is too shredded, then you're actually better off giving a haircut to the torn fragment and keeping the thickness, preserving the, the, the part that remains. And if you're a sculptor and an artist as a surgeon and you're very careful to keep as much of it as possible, then you won't get arthritis in the future. You won't have trouble with this knee in the future because your body will accommodate to the shorter piece that still remains. This is why I love surgery. 
because it's a mechanical problem that I can fix with your own body parts. You didn't hear me say give yourself a shot to make it feel better. You didn't hear me say give a shot because you're going to grow a new tooth or more hair on top of your head like we're going to grow a new meniscus with an injection. No, that ain't going to happen. But to be a skillful artist and be able to remove the doorstop elegantly and then the patient wakes up and says, oh my God, Dr. Clapper, I can straighten my knee again. It's not stuck anymore. And that's what I did yesterday. It's just so gratifying because while I'm in the knee, I use a tool to feel the extent and the shreddedness of the tear to assess whether I'm going to put stitches or am I going to give it a haircut and what I can get away with, not how much I can remove, but what I'm thinking is how much can I keep for this young person who otherwise has a great-looking knee. That's what really inspires me. And it's fun after 33 years and 16,000 surgeries to know what I can get away with, what the body will allow me to keep and not keep. And it's fun because you need that time on the water. You need that experience to to be able to say what to do. But you also need to not scuff up the joint. The spaces that I'm talking about between your femur and your tibia inside your knee joint is so tight, there's no room for a toothpick. That's how small the space is. And if you're rough with your hands and you're not an artist and you're not elegant, you'll shove the instruments in and scuff up perfectly good structures that weren't damaged And now the surgeon damaged them. So it breaks my heart to inherit someone. Not all the time, obviously. I'm not the only artist who's a surgeon. Where I see people were rough with the anatomy. Just like it is so inspiring to see Michelangelo's David or Pieta and the sculptures that he made versus someone who's a hack, who, you know, calls himself a sculptor, and you look at him going, all you did was take a hammer and bang on the rock, and you're calling it a piece of artwork. You don't have any talent. But go look at the David. Go look at the Pieta in the Vatican and appreciate. It's the same thing for me. The problem is the inside of your knee, your shoulder, your hip, where someone has already done surgery, is invisible to the outside. I'm the one who gets to see because I'm looking inside. So the patient doesn't really know what's been done to them on the inside. The MRI can clue you in. But for me, it's special when I can actually look with the fiber optic tool, the arthroscope, and see the status. Coming up next, I'm going to tell some more stories. I got to tell you a story about me and the Beatles. I'm in yeshiva where you're supposed to wear a yarmulke on top of your head out of respect to God to cover your head. Wait till I tell you the story of what the trouble I got into when I decided to wear a Beatles wig instead of my yarmulke going to yeshiva. You're going to love this one. We'll get into it. 
coming up next right here on the Weekend Warrior Show on 710 ESPN. The number is 877-710-ESPN.